On this episode of DC On Screen, we are talking about Supergirl Season 4? Is it Season 4? I could swear about it. I'm going to look. Why am I I blanking on that? I don't know why I am, too. Um, Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, no. Give me a moment. What have we to do? Yeah, season four. Season four. Season four. We're going to be you know talking about rem- This what? is how we should have remembered that, is season okay. four's final episode is named The Quest for Peace. That's a good call. That should have been a mnemonic for us. That's, that's a good call. And so we'll be talking about season four and with an emphasis on The Quest for Peace, the season finale, right after this. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but... For well, this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. Like I said, we're talking about season four and Quest for Peace, the season finale. I'll say this outright. Sure. The um, This episode called The Quest for Peace was far superior to the movie, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> it really was. The And I will go so far as to say the season finale was... My second favorite episode of the season. Nice. I did enjoy the finale. <laughs> and I feel like this is almost uh, to be taken as red when we're talking about finales for a whole season. But, yeah, parts of it that didn't didn't hit with me, parts of it that did. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But so, uh, finale-based. Well, well, <clears throat> get on with the mm-hmm. bad stuff. What was, what did you like? Okay. So, surprisingly... Um, well, okay. For the finale, uh, <laughs> specifically... I, and I was I was really shocked. I really loved the Motley Crew during the big fight sequence. That was shocking. <laughs> I, was it shocking that I, did you like it? I think they picked the Motley Crew song that I hate the least. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, I I, specifically, I just I can't do hair bands. It's a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are rare exceptions to songs that I like that are hair bands. Yeah, I don't care for hair bands my damn self, but. I don't know, for whatever reason, that Motley Crue really just settled with me in a, in a great way, which was weird. And it's something they've been trying to do. They, they, they did it earlier this season with American Woman and Lenny Kravitz. Um, and that didn't work for me at all. I didn't go hearing the song again, though. You know, I was so I'm so sick of that song from really? the 90s. Oh. Like, every, I'm just so sick of it. I hated it. Yeah, I liked it. And I felt like they were bludgeoning me over the head with an idea. And I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I I just I don't like that song anymore. It has, it's been, hey, and, they, songs can get ruined after a certain number of plays a big, at a time. It was the big problem with the, the American Woman thing. The worst problem is that they tr- they did it for so short a time. And then they tried to, like, fade it out into very serious dramatic music. And it just didn't work for me. It was just... <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, it, I, oh God. I I know I know what that feels like when I hear it. I just didn't catch it. Uh, I'd probably agree with you if I if I'd been listening for it. Yeah, I probably just didn't hear the dramatic music because in my head I was like American Woman. <laughs> so biggest shock for me for this season, we heard that John Cryer was going to be yeah. Lex Luthor. I'm he was go, Lex I'm gonna, Luthor. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you before you even say it. Almost, man. Yeah, that's uh, it was shocking. Like we were annoyed oh. because it was going to be a legacy casting. Yes. And then I just didn't know, I guess what he was capable of and how he was going to approach this role. And then they gave us that one moment in the trailer where it's like Superman made me do it. And I thought, no, I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. And that and, ended but, up being the only single moment I didn't love about his portrayal. No, you know what? In context, I liked it. I liked it. Did it worked for you finally. It, okay. it That worked for me a lot. Like the entire thing. And, um, what was we? Because I totally said John Cryer is going to be Lex Luthor. This like they have got to stop referencing the freaking old shit. They they let's get away from Christopher Reeve and his stuff, which mm-hmm. I enjoy on its own merit for what it was. But I, you know, part of me, part of the problem uh, is that you know I am a bit of a Snyder fanboy, 
Not really. Not go listen to Mark Man of View, Man of Steel review. I'm not a, a Snyder fanboy. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, not Pollyanna in that at all. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm split. But I do like Zack Snyder movies. Um, I think he gets a bad rap. But here, you, what I'm talking about though is like I feel like we should be able to move on and uh, see different sides of the character without constantly going, "Well, he's not Christopher Reeve." And yeah, I feel and like the, the more we reference doing it, the casting. The, the little casting callbacks like that, I don't think are doing that. I think they just think it's neat to have somebody that's, that has a yeah. heritage role. Sometimes and sometimes not. Uh, but, you know, I, I when was... When it works, I, great. When it doesn't yeah. work, it, it feels like a gimmick. You're Like, you're making a, a, a bet when you do that to me. That, that's yeah. how it comes across. Is like if it's either going to go off great, like this one was fantastic and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even see that possibility and I'm deeply impressed with everyone that made that decision and cry for pulling it off. Other times Dude, you have somebody and you're like, that just, why did you, that was just, you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, John Cryer, certainly, like, I was afraid it was going to be like, you know, one note, let's just do Gene Hackman. See, I thought he was going to track Kevin Spacey. Really? Yeah, that was my, if I was going to pick away, he was going to lean with it. That well, was what I, I thought mean, he might do. Kevin Spacey was really just doing Gene Hackman in his own way. <laughs> I know, but it was his own way. Yeah, which is, is Spacey. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay, John Cryer certainly referenced Hackman, not just not in any way I was expecting, and he was just so fantastic. Like the two or three times he screamed "Miss Tessmacher," I was just like, "Yeah," <laughs> and it was ridiculous. Yeah, I think you wrote that, that I, in. That it that it you know just oh man the that specific was... scene where I thought ah oh, this is like Gene Hackman could have done this scene in one of those movies and it would have been killed is the when he's singing "My Way" while destroying oh, yeah. that armada. <laughs> Of planes and ships. Yeah. When he was really Iron looked fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, the that suit looked amazing. Yeah. It, I was, <laughs> it was one of the most impressive parts about these last few episodes was just seeing that suit in action. So happy with that. I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, I know, I'm, yeah, it looked like Iron Man. I didn't, like, I rolled my eyes heavily, heavily rolled nah. my eyes at the overlay the facial overlay when he was inside the helmet. I'm like, oh my God, guys, yeah. stop stop doing Iron Man. I mean, the, like, here's the thing, though. The facial overlay, it's not the first time it's ever been seen. It's just that it's been done really well, and it, it's proven that it works. And then, like, mm-hmm. the the uh, kind of coming out of the equipment on your wrist and enfolding the rest of your body. Yeah, it looks like Iron Man. But, again, it works. It does. Until somebody comes up with some groundbreaking new way to do that that probably requires more money than an episode of Supergirl has. I'm not mm-hmm. going to begrudge it. It worked. The scene was fun. It, you, he's having so much fun, you're damn near rooting for him as he destroys Western Eastern relations. Yeah. Um, I loved his... Uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, whatever the episode was, when they just basically did the whole story of like how he basically raised Red Daughter. Mm-hmm. Loved that entire episode, and yeah. it was so heartbreaking in the finale when she realizes what, what he is. Yeah. And he he turns on her. Like I I honestly wanted her character to stick around. I did. I kind of hoped she would overcome and adapt. Uh did not did not work out. And we didn't get nearly enough of Red Daughter. Like they were I I thought we were going to get something I you know, the first half of the season was just me sitting around going, "Where the hell is the Red Daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> like you showed me a thing. I mean, you now, what's that this, behind your back, good sir? I have this Lockwood cat, and you know, there. I don't think there's any superhero series that illustrates my hopes and desires more than Supergirl. On this, on this point, we need shortened seasons badly. Sometimes we need. It I, I would agree. There's really a lot. So much again. Like, there's a lot out of this season <laughs> that could have been done more efficiently. Yes, there are parts that, like Lockwood, for instance, getting to see his backstory. That's not an mm-hmm. episode I would lose. I think that was very important to watch him change, to watch his was, mentality. Was that one the one that was called Man of Steel? I don't remember what it was called. It was two months ago when I watched that episode. It was a fantastic episode. I don't that's, know. Yeah, like that, watching that's him grow more life. and more xenophobic yeah. and, and explaining why he was getting that way. Um, that, that was, was my favorite of the great season. episode. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, parts of his arc where he's on the rise and when he, his, his denouement, which was actually hilariously quick. Because he, he, he gets to the top, stays there for mm-hmm. a while, and then in like three episodes, he's uh, they essentially break him down to a super drug addict uh-huh. um, who's a puppet of Lex Luthor and, and 
I mean, he just ends up in prison. Now, I do, I did enjoy kind of like getting to know the guy and knowing he has a backstory is one thing, but hating his principles and his hate and his ignorance is, is something that I also, you know, that's how I feel. So yeah. getting to watch him watch his son from prison and his son have like moved on from that mentality. I love that part of the arc, but yeah, you could have done it faster. He could have done it a little faster, but you know, the thing I loved about agent, agent Liberty, uh, and Ben Lockwood, uh, specifically, uh, I loved that. Uh, they made me under they they showed me Ben when he was on the side of the angels. They showed me the slippery slope that Ben took. Yeah. How it didn't how, seem that weird to him, you know? It didn't seem that weird to him. He was toying with his father's ideals, slowly letting the anger and the hatred take over until he's that person who's yeah. detaining people and rounding people up. Right. Um I thought that was specifically powerful because it made me, you know, see the villainy for what it was. Like that was the most realistic I've ever seen this show specifically get. Um, normally they're, they're kind of hammy with their villains and with their heroes. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, they, they straw man argument at sometimes, but what that episode points out is that the best way to prove your point is to sh- sometimes just show the other person's point mm-hmm. and kind of let, nature take its course like if you see it from his side for a second you can kind of understand where he gets there but you still get to see where it takes you and it it ends up being a much more it's a it's a more full argument than if you just said he's a bad guy and supergirl is to punch him and they even have that alien who like threat he he threatened kill his wife and they're just like nope that's what happened that's (laughs) that's what sometimes shit happens when you threaten to you know take somebody's mother away yeah (laughs) yeah i mean Loved all of that. Uh, thought, thought, I thought I thought that was particularly strong. I uh, the uh, they have not done a terrible job with the with the alien story uh, this year. There was a bit. I think it was in the either the penultimate episode or the final episode where you have a Manhunter screaming, "Get these aliens to safety!" I'm like, "Don't you mean people, Jean?" <laughs> like, damn. We spent the whole season learning this lesson. <laughs> can't you just say get these people to say get these aliens to say you're an I, alien I, I John. agree that would have been a good tweak <laughs> that, that would i think that would have been a good edit um because it, it was it was it, the, the alien amnesty, amnesty act was i think a, a good it, this was a great allegory for a lot of things some of which people may agree with or disagree with and some of which you may just see as a spectrum fucking whatever your beliefs are on it it was a good allegory for some stuff that's happening in certain ways mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it um, like one of the more rewarding parts of it is you get to see the act is restored. Like for me, it was big that we went through all this trouble. The act is actually restored. Lockwood goes up. It seems to be the problem is under control, but they let the problem develop and they let the problem get out of their control before that. Mm-hmm. Which again, if you're trying to tell a relevant story, is uh, uh, I think it's relevant. So I liked where they took that. And then uh, there was a couple other storylines I really liked. Like possibly one of my favorite runs in this season was I, like Brainy and, and Dreamer were one, one of my favorite parts of the season. Really? Yeah. Like getting to see Brainy go through some changes and getting to see him, you know, have some feelings he wasn't expecting. That was rewarding given that like he was supposed to be replacing Jeremy for us. Right. Um, we needed he need we needed a heart of the show. And it was fun to see, uh, you know, Brainiac's descendant take over being the heart of a show. It was way more fun was seeing the heart get taken out of him in the, la- in the last couple episodes. Right. And, you know, I feel like seeing him be rebooted and remember, have whatever it, what they were calling it, the uh, the memory of his of his heritage or whatever ancestral it was. Ancestral memory is what they call it. Uh, ancestral yeah. Some memory. Some species have it. Okay. It's weird. It's, it's a weird evolutionary thing. It's Watching real, him though. go through that, he was scary, man. And he actually, mm-hmm. like... Here's the thing. I was really hoping he would be the bad guy for next season. As I was watching it, I was just like, oh, this is a problem. For oh, a second, this I really is a problem. Did. Like, for a second, I really did, but I wanted... They've been building up enough about him and Dreamer that I kind of wanted that to work out. Well, no, there's nothing to say that it couldn't work out at some point, somehow, but the other yeah, part of I that is... Yeah, but I didn't want to do, like, a season-long uh, will-they-won't-they they about the villain I, when we got in this close. I, sometimes I feel too teased mm-hmm. by Supergirl. And, and and there are moments where I just I need a payoff, man. Yeah, but here here's where I'm conflicted though. I don't like Brainy anymore. Is that what part of it turned on you? Like I don't know. Like I would I kind of want to go back and look at Brainy when they first introduced him, like last year or whatever. 
but it feels like now he always speaks like this and he gesticulates wildly. Mm. And he does that kind of thing and I hate it. I just hate every segment he's in now that he's doing that. Like, mm, yes, director, we, we, yeah, like, shut up. Why are you talking like that? Like, I Man. could swear he didn't do that before. I, <laughs> I could swear he did that before. He might, and maybe I've, I've just like, it's just, I've just maybe turned just, against it. Yeah, somehow soured on it. But yeah, like, I, it's I just could, so I annoying. I swear the acting has been <laughs> relatively consistent. In fact, I would even argue that it's gotten a little more human since. The first iterations of it. Maybe. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe, like, he has become a little more human. It's just like the the snart problem. You know you what know? maybe it is? Is there are moments in, a, in an episode, like, it, when Brainy's in an episode, there are moments early in the episode where he's awkward and stilted, and that's the com- that's a comedic beat they're hitting. Yeah. And then as they start to tell the story, they've got in there for a reason. So he doesn't just go from, you know... Uh, awkward and stilted he goes from awkward and stilted to suddenly being awkward and trying to have an emotion yeah and at at first it may be that like on the comedic beat when it's subtle it's not bothering you but when they're focusing on him and he's doing relatively the same thing but it's supposed to be on a dramatic beat it's kind of annoying you yeah i mean basically i just i don't know what i don't know if it's like what what happened with littered snart or if it's just something that's always been there and i'm just now getting annoyed by it because if you like look back at like old like the first couple appearances of of Captain Cold and the Flash, mm-hmm. he might be like, "Hello, Barry. I'm Leonard Snart." You know, no, he and no, that was he it. Leaned into his characterization of that of, of that, it, no doubt. Yeah, and then two years later, it's like, "Hello, Barry. I'm Leonard Snart." Yeah, and you're like, "What are you doing now?" Yeah, he's like, sound like a late twenties <laughs> gangster. I mean, I get it. <laughs> So, <laughs> but in that version, we liked it and we liked the lean in. We did. I, well, I kind of hated it at first, but then I liked the character enough and I liked the actor enough that I started going with it a lot. Right. Maybe that's it. I, it's maybe it's one of those things where it's just not going to hit. Or maybe it was that the legend, the, the writing on legends favored him in such a way that. <laughs> oh, they definitely wrote him. <laughs> I don't um, know. As extremely likable as he went. Like we were supposed to be liking him more and more and it, and it played, they wrote him, they wrote him well. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what's going on with, with Brainy or not, but he's super annoying to me right now. And uh, I I really liked his uh, his evil self or his, you know, more Brainiac self. And um, didn't so much like the... I didn't like the turn that, no. that he came back. I mean, I was happy for him and Dreamer and everything, but, you know. I mean, I liked that. I especially also loved his fight scenes because they, they, they looked different. It felt, it mm-hmm. felt kind of fun and it, it looked like he was... In a way, it looked like that was more simple math than the normal emotional stuff he was having to yeah. do. So, like for him, a fight scene was just like a, a little ballet where he got to have some flair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that was him doing the tango a little bit, just having fun with it. Yeah. And it paid off largely. It paid off still when he when he breaks out uh, uh, of the whatever machine they have him in and um, goes into mm-hmm. true brainiac mode. Yeah. Uh, that that went from like a playful, wistful. I'm gonna walk up a wall and use my legion ring for a second to like oh he's dangerous mm-hmm. uh i'm afraid of this guy now i was a little perplexed by how how uh i i, I to me i read it like he was addicted to that ring like i sort of wanted Jean to be like you can't have it back but mm, why is my flight ring no but you're addicted to it you have a problem brainy <laughs> no see <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I mean, I could see what you're saying, I, but for me, yeah. I completely read it as more like a, more right. like a just a, a medal of honor, like just something that yeah. was that was like like getting a Legion of Superheroes ring or Legionnaire ring is is the uh, I mean it's it's the equivalent of I don't want to equivocate I don't want to make it the equivalent of an actual medal because I don't want to compare it to a real thing, but uh-huh. it's a high honor. I mean, it's it's like if you got into the Justice League. And they gave you uh, like a, a coffee mug that said, mm-hmm. welcome to the Justice League. You would protect that fucking coffee mug. Right. And be very mad if that coffee mug went away. Either that or Tony Stark had his demon in a bottle and Brainy has his demon on a, on a finger. That's... Yeah, it could, I mean, I could read the story the way you're saying it. And it would, it, I think it's tracks. But it, like Agent it's... Docs, what are you doing? I'm in the corner shaking. That's why he was really talking like that is because he was having withdrawals. From, from his <laughs> Legionnaire coffee mug. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, God. I think reading it back, having just replaying it in my head, I don't think there's anything. I think I don't like your take and it's wrong, but I can't disqualify it. It's not even really like legitimately my take. I just think it's funny. No, it's the kind of thing like an argument can be valid and it can be sound. I don't think yours is sound, but it is valid. Interesting. All right. Well, what about this? it's not a irrevoc- it's it's not like provably wrong, but it it doesn't match all the criteria it needs to. How do you feel about this? Uh-huh. Freaking Haley, Colonel Haley, hated her at first. Actually, pretty pretty well enjoyed her by the end of it. I really liked her arc. Hated her the whole time. You hated her the whole time? Nah, I mean, I hated her, but I don't. And she's not my favorite trope as a character. But like, yeah. I'm gonna come in and we're doing things my way, and sure, I'm the closed-minded, blah blah blah. Every single time. I see that character. I think of the owner of those two damn Siamese cats and ladies in the tramp. <laughs> it's it's hardwired. I don't know what it is, but it, it's like something something in me that just hates that character. I don't I don't I don't I don't even know how to explain that. But it, I don't but know. That's I what s- it reminds me of. Literally, I think of that moment every time. I saw her tipping point when she begrudgingly accepted Kara's donuts. Yeah, I mean, I get her arc. I get. I understand how that happened. I just she started as a trope that I don't appreciate, and then mm-hmm. she ended as I mean the best possible version of a trope I don't appreciate. But she didn't exactly end on like I want her to be around next season kind of terms. It's more like I would like you to go away and let Alex resume running this bitch because she was doing great at it. Yeah, you were know. unnecessary. I don't know how I feel about next season because part of me feels like well, I think if they do get rid of her for next season. It would probably be one of the uh, smoothest transitions out rather than someone like, say, Samantha, who is OMG, best friends with all of them and now just doesn't and exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, they gave her a little bit of wrap up, but it, I, I get, see, that one makes more sense to me because Samantha made herself a part of this story. The writers did and she did and mm-hmm. the whole team came together and all that. Right. As you just said, though, and this is part of my problem, I don't like the trope and I also don't like that it was unnecessary in this environment. Okay. They... They could have done this story other ways. They they oh, could have yeah. It could have just been you know Catco versus the president the entire time, or it could have been a, another organization, the sub whatever. It could have been a lot of things. It didn't have to be Alex needlessly displaced, having done a good job. Supergirl <laughs> right. thrown out on her ass for no other reason than uh, kind of petulant xenophobic part of the story they were trying to tell. Like it was like the theme they were trying to use, but she didn't fit it. Lockwood, yeah. there was a reason he was doing what he was doing. He fit the theme. He was a good yes. villain. She was just there to be part of the theme. Like yeah. This story could have been told without her. It, that it was not my favorite part of this season. Yeah, and you know what? She contributed, as much as I liked her and her uh, her arc. Yeah, she, also not the actress's fault at all. Just no, didn't, she did a good job. Yeah, she did great. Just didn't need her part of the story. She hit all the right beats. No, but she contributed to my probably one of my least favorite stories throughout this entire season and that was alex is uh, brain wiped so that she doesn't remember that Kara and supergirl are the same people i hated yeah. all of that shit i didn't i didn't love that and i knew you were gonna hate it um and i knew i wasn't gonna love it as soon as they as soon as i realized that's what they were gonna do because i don't like i don't like stories where part of what we do is just change the brain of one of the main actors mm-hmm. um if you if you just Take the agency of what you were building for a character for, you know, four seasons, as we've established, apparently, four seasons, and just literally change their brain or their face. I, I don't like stories where you just do a face swap or you just do a mind swap. I've just gotten fed up of them. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I and I don't, bur- it's a little fuse in my brain that's just burned, and I, and I don't know how to replace it. I need so much time off from that to appreciate it again. And the stuff we talk about, never going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't like... When they do that, when they take a character who is fully formed and then they take away a big chunk of them and make them different. That we sat there watching them earn and appreciating. Right. And then we have to like, like, oh, here's the goal for the season. They have to get back to who they were. So one could imagine if I didn't like it for Alex, I sure as shit didn't like it for Martian Manhunter. This whole I'm a man of peace bullshit really pissed me off. Like I hated that whole arc. more earned. I hated that whole arc. I hated it. Like, vehemently, vitriolically, I don't (laughs) care what his dad was. I don't need to see Martian Manhunter, who was the Martian Manhunter, freaking director of, almost said S.H.I.E.L.D., the DEO, (laughs) and then suddenly, I'm going to be a man of peace like my father. And then 
for him, I can at least argue that Ugh. he he got to see his father again, something he never yeah. expected. That felt that's earned. Which, by the way, love his father, the original Martian Manhunter from from Justice League Unlimited and Justice League. Yeah, uh, yeah, Carl Lumley, but also did great in the show. But absolutely, he at least made that arc made sense. That was at least built into something. Like he he is on this earth a man of you know action and at times violence. Yeah, um, and, it, and he. He doesn't just meet his father and make a decision or meet his father and his dad introduce him to some stuff and make a decision. His dad downloads the entirety of a religion into his brain. Mm-hmm. And he, he tries to honor that. That I can that I can get behind. To me, that wasn't like somebody just came and swapped his brain out with another brain. That was like if someone just dropped, the, like just in the middle of nowhere, dropped not only the idea of, you know, Taoism on your brain, but just right. literally... Dropped it on your soul. Like it, it, there was something substantial there that I could say that happened that justified his actions. Well, I mean, there was something substantial there that you know predicated that they needed to take away Westerface's Alex's memories. I yeah, there was you something know, that I happened just... that justified that. But the still, my problem with that was the thing that happened that justified that was a director that didn't need to be there. Yeah, and I say that the reason so I, I was still a little annoyed by that. Yeah, and the reason I hate that Jean changed had to change who he was was just so that he could get back to who he already was before the season started. Like, See, you just I didn't like that, that it was a, that it was a, well, I mean, in a way it's, it's like a, in a way it's a lame version of the hero's journey. Uh-huh. You know, you just, you have a starting point, new information, you're out, you're lost, you try to find your way, there's a catalytic event, oh my God, I'm back to where I started, but I'm greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in your version, that's just spinning the wheels. Yeah. I, I can get behind that, but in my version, it was also like, at least the way they got there made, sense within the story and it was it was doing something that i could get behind like him trying to honor his father and honor the history of his entire people which by the way is the one thing he's been missing this entire time so it was it makes sense for him emotionally that he wanted to dive in that deep and try to you know try to really like live up to the you know the the religion his dad followed as a as a martian like something he had no history no no link to you know two years ago in our time watching these episodes he's suddenly got that opportunity it makes sense to me that he'd take it yeah. It I also makes that. sense that he should be the fucking Martian Manhunter and come back. <laughs> right. So it's like uh, I don't I, I get what you're saying, but I don't begrudge him it. Does that, yeah. if that makes sense? Speaking of the reason he realized he's not a man of peace, mm-hmm. uh Manchester Black and the Elite. They uh Manchester Manchester started out as a as a kind of interesting character. And um I guess I kind of saw like I I saw why he became what he became. But there did seem to be a very a certain definite shift, and then man, did that just kind of falter and and end on a whimper? Yeah, that one just kind of went out suddenly. I don't know how to explain that. They they it's like they had a plan, and it did I think contribute to the story where it was at the moment. But it was I I could I hate to say this because I liked his character for a lot of the time he was on the screen, but I could also tell you the story of this season without ever using. Yeah. Like if you ask me, hey, in three minutes, describe the season. I could, uh, with some work, not off memory, I'd, with some, with a little bit of research and time to script it. Yeah, I could probably tell you in two or three minutes what happened this season without ever using his name. Yeah, which is not a good thing. I mean, again, I hate it though because he was an interesting character. Like you said, I, I enjoyed him, I, and it just kind of seemed like he was just there, and then he wasn't. And I don't really know how to explain any of that. Yeah. All right. So we sound super sad about that. I am sad about that. <laughs> I mean, he had a lot of potential. He did. There was a lot that could have been done there. But at the same time, I'm looking at it and going, you know what? I could have done without Manchester Black and the Elite and done with more Red Daughter. Yeah. Yeah. There was plenty of space there to play with. I would have liked to have seen more Tessmacher, for that matter. Uh, that I could have done with more of her. I I didn't want more Mercy. But, oh, you know what? Otis became, like, I hated Otis at the very beginning. But I liked him from day one, man. By the point where he was, like, hanging out with Kara in that, in that uh, prison and... He's like, what the hell are you? Or whatever. She's like, oh, I'm a reporter. And he's like, I don't care for the press. He suddenly becomes smart. He's like, they, whatever, they, they, they insert themselves into into situations they have no context for or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what he said, but what he said, I just like laughed so hard. Like yeah. that was just like it's, the most. He suddenly got a, a weirdly wise thing to say. <laughs> and 
Like his, his last scene you see him in this season, and probably for a while, I guess he, he may actually be dead this time. Was like he's he's just chilling in one of the old safe houses. Yeah, I mean my sister liked this place. I just couldn't resist. By the way, I liked the guy. I thought he was weirdly charming up front. Like when he was on screen and they had focus on him, I thought, okay, this this is working for me. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun, having fun with himself in the role. You could say you could you could tell he was enjoying himself. Uh, and, and they did. They just used him as like. It was as though you could say, what if we just had, you know, a brute that Lex Luthor would enjoy having? And just a brute. Just right. a guy that will pull a fucking trigger when he damn well says so. And what if that guy had a little bit of swagger to him and enjoyed mm-hmm. being the brute and every now and then would say something clever just to mess with you? We'll call him Otis to, you know, reference the character from the the Christopher Reeve movie. But we'll make him uh, Mercy's brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. That'll work. They were both annoying to me up front and then eventually he became more enjoyable to me. Like I love that he say that he like spared that little boy in Casnia. Yeah. yeah. That is just like, ah, oh, buddy, you just won my heart. Yeah. They, they, it was weird. There was some depth to him. Like, I think, I honestly think the writers and the people had a similar experience that I did where they saw him actually on that, in that episode and thought, no, he's got some pop. Let's, let's, let's leave him on the table. Yeah. It's a real thing that happens. You write somebody in for an episode or two, and you kind of come back and say, look, we kind of liked where this went. You want to come back for a couple more? Yeah, dude, sure. Yeah. Let's make him a patello so that we can bring him out whenever we feel like Right? <laughs> oh, speaking of kryptonite, I loved the uh, the scene where she kind of says, um, where they're having a little, they're having to talk about uh, America's a fatted pig and all mm-hmm. that. And um, she's <laughs> as she's starting to literally sweat kryptonite almost, it's, uh, Kara kind of says, like, you know, You've been sick for 15 minutes. I've been living with kryptonite for 15 years and just kicks her ass. That's yep. that's a good scene right there. That was badass. Yeah, I dug that. It was I all did. about that. There was some really good stuff in this season. And then there was some really, really meh there was stuff. Some meh. There was some meh. Oh, um, we got two, I've got two of my like favorite scenes out of the last wing of the season, at least. Okay. The, uh, the, the dreamer speech. Oh, I fucking uh-huh. loved that. That was fantastic. Hated it. Loved it. I'm tired like, of Kara always getting caught up in fighting and then remembering that winning means a hopeful speech or interview. Like that nah, seems to be that at the, a, that's that's a at the tail thing. that's at the tail end of every season. Dude, I'm like, if she learned Cara, one thing from Cat we could, Grant, we could save that... ourselves. We could save ourselves an entire season if you just remembered to give a hopeful speech. <laughs> yeah, just at the beginning of the season. No, that's why I don't. That, that's why I really liked it, and I also liked it for the arc of this season. Is a lot of this in the last season has been. Uh, who she and who the paper and who James is going to be without Cat Williams. It's still Cat Co. and they've still got a powerful paper to run. And Cat the fact Grant? that it... Cat Grant, thank you. Um, not Williams. the singer. Not the singer. <laughs> I don't know if uh, she can sing or not, but not the oh, singer God. that I was thinking about. Um, yeah, like, it, where does Cat Co. go without, without her? Okay. The first and second seasons relied heavily on the big speech. And if you just don't like the big speech as an idea, I can't help you there. But that was a really good big speech. And the fact that she's still using it as a reporter, I loved. Like, that that's a thing she leans into is if we just get to the hearts of people and make people more real, uh-huh. they'll understand and maybe it'll overcome some of the, you know, fear and ignorance and some of the stuff that a lot, a lot of hate is based on. I like yeah. the idea and I liked the execution. I liked the speech. I love that it was played by an actual trans character doing a trans speech, doing right. a fucking allegory for alien... Like that, that is tripling down. Like that is a parlay bet that for me pay, played off, and I like that they did it. But the um, thing I like more almost is that it fails her. <laughs> like yeah, I did like that it failed her. Like ultimately, she gets all the way to the president with the right evidence, and it just fucking fails her. And she has to go back into Supergirl mode. And mm-hmm. the thing I liked most about that is that she goes back into Supergirl mode, and remembering where we were about a year and a half ago, she goes in. She's actually Supergirl again. Like it felt like this season, whereas it hasn't for the last couple. It she was Supergirl again. Like she was just like wearing that symbol of hope and actually acting like you know the positive influence that we expect instead of like some of the stuff that was happening with Mon- with Monel. Where she got straight up like petulant at times. It got a little boring to watch her. Yes, I agree. To watch her get moody and mopey and all that. And I, and I I like I like characters having an arc, and I I, I want to see these people's bad sides too. Mm-hmm. But if you spend about a half a season moping about something and you haven't gotten over it, I do. It's it's I like same way I like seeing Man of Steel and I like seeing the the arc of Clark Kent over X amount of time and dealing with all the. I liked emo running across the countryside listening to Cornell Superman for a second there. 
but I want you to get over it too because you're supposed to be the paragon. You're supposed to be better right. than us. So I want you. Right. To, I want to see you do it, but I want to see you get past it. Yeah. It felt yeah. like in like four episodes they went from oh the hopeful speech that saves everybody and it does work to some extent, but it's like oh the hopeful speech that saves everybody. Everyone's super pumped. And the speech does come back later to, to help them, like in their escape from whatever that uh, place is with all the su- superpowers shutting down stuff. Right. I can't remember names for things today. But um, yeah, like know. the same people that were watching that speech are in that facility and they create the distraction to get everybody out and all that. Yeah. Um, it still kind of works, but I, it, I liked it not completely working and her just having to go back to like, all right, right. we're going to have to kick a little bit of ass. I'm yeah. going <laughs> to stand but, here know, with my arms on my side and kick a little bit of ass. I think, you know, there's a part of me that's like, every time Kara gets like, someone says something, Kara gets all wide-eyed. That's what we need to do. We need to inspire hope. That's the whole thing. And you're like, oh, God. It's like, it's like if we watched an entire season of Star Trek where people were like trapped on a planet. And then finally the captain and the engineer looked at each other and went, oh, my God, we have transporters. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, but in this season in particular, like season one, definitely exactly that. Season two, yeah. kind of that. Season three, I don't remember. Season four. <laughs> yeah, no one remembers. I just, I I'd have to look remembers. it up. I'd have to refresh my mind. Um, but in this season, it was exactly that. Oh, my God, we had teleporters. And then they went to use them and they were broke. Yeah, see. And shit didn't work and they had to come up with another plan. And what they did was they turned on Motley Crue, kicked some ass for a minute. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I I was heavy on the eye roll during the speech and, and right before the speech and it was just kind of like, this is get, bordering on ridiculous now with the show doing this. But I did I did enjoy that it didn't quite work. Now that brings us to, to Bruce Boxleitner, Tron himself, uh, being the, uh, the vice president turned president. The role was originally going to be Brent Spiner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were before, excited about that. It yeah. Yeah, well, Spiner, uh, his, he had a family emergency and couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think uh, Boxleitner worked out? Do you think he was? Do you think Spiner would have been better? Do you think uh, Boxleitner did a better job than Spiner ultimately might have? What do you? How do you feel about that? It's hard to say. I <clears throat> because he was a favorite character of mine as a child. I, I always think Brent Spiner will improve a role. Mm-hmm. But then but you I, see him do the Joker in Young Justice, and you go, eh. yeah. I, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I really it's a coin toss. It's like how do you how are you the the how are you Brent Spiner and you're like the least popular thing of a show? Yeah, yeah. It also wasn't it, it wasn't the best writing they for Joker on that series. It yeah, was, it was a wasted character a little bit on that series, or is I should say. Young Justice does day. yeah, Young Justice does everything fabulously except for the Joker. I don't know how except that works. I don't know um. Oh, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> yeah. Another scene that I really loved. Uh huh. Um. Is there any? How do you say her name? Collerly? Is that is that, is that uh, what? Collerly? Is that how we pronounce her name? Oh, Kyler Lee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the the scene where Kara actually gets her ass beat. Uh huh. It didn't hit me that hard until I saw her desperately grabbing the grass and saying like, "There's sunlight in the grass," and just trying to like shove it into her kind of. I mean, her at the time dead hands. Mm-hmm. There's something about that kind of desperate act, like when 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 you love something and that body finally stops moving you do desperate things and there's something about that moment that really fucking hit for me and she knocked it out man mm-hmm. that that scene got to me hard I, I don't think i felt anything but later on i heard some people say that that was real dumb it's precedented it is precedented dark knight returns by frank fucking miller holiest of holies in comic book just mount rushmore go, go no there's no superman gets nuked he's all dried up literally touches some flowers and, and sucks enough sunlight out of it like no this is that's you can say it's dumb as a principle but if you're saying it's dumb because that's not how things work you you're very wrong <laughs> well the, importantly we don't get to say how superman works because he's not real i know so we have to work within an ideal <laughs> canon with rings of uh-huh. other canons surrounding and going in and out of its orbit at all times and it's, it's fucking it's vague but if if you think like it's never been that way before, and so so it really has, and it's in one of the most famous books about Batman of all time, so maybe you didn't catch the and Superman. Superman part. To, to be fair, it I is, mean, but Superman is the side character of that story to me. Yeah, he's kind of the enemy, but yeah. kind of society's the nemesis in that story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no total precedent. 
in fact, that that was like the closest thing I had to a feeling in that episode. In that in that segment was just like, oh, cool, they're doing Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, that was my first <laughs> thought. Was like, oh, cool, using that idea, awesome. And yeah. they've been great at that. They've used the solar flare. They've used that. They've used. Uh, They've used. They've really taken advantage of the canon, and then sometimes the recent canon to do this damn show. You know what I want to see? I appreciate that mm-hmm. for for season five. Mm-hmm. I want All Star Supergirl. I oh, wanted to get yeah. too. I wanted to get too close to the sun. I want the entire season for her to be dying. That'd be a great way out for the series. It would be a great way out for the series. Absolutely. And she could pull it off. That would be a great way out for the series. And they could even pull John Carr back to have him be a, a significant part of that story. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting for you on that one. Either I mean, if not this coming season, just the final season, just whatever the final season is, just make it All Star Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you not? Just yeah, I'm do down. it. I'm down. Um, I, I loved I loved Lena, and oh God, I felt like when she didn't tell Lena that she was Supergirl, I was like, shit, Lena's gonna find out by the end of the season, and it's gonna be it's gonna be Lex. And then it was. Yeah. Now, in the finale, um, I don't know when you watched this episode and when I watched this episode, but when they're having their little game night and uh-huh. they're talking about I should tell her, mm-hmm. and she talks her out of telling her, and I'll just let her have one one more night. Mm-hmm. Did you sense my anger from wherever you were in the world at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was. I think it was obfuscated by my own anger and my wife's anger. Yeah, I... It's a thing they've done in the show too many times, and it's one of my least favorite things in a show to do ever. Mm-hmm. I lied to protect you. Yeah. It's the I lied to protect you, and it's even mm-hmm. on top of the I lied to protect you, it's the, the cock tease of, well, I'm going to tell her tomorrow. Right. And then you never get the chance because there's a big thing happening, and there's dramatic irony that we're all aware of, and you're not because that's how that fucking works, and I don't fucking care for it. Right. I don't, I don't care for that. I'm also- annoyed by it. Also, dude, uh, for this show specifically, cock tease is not the preferred phraseology. <laughs> you can call it whatever the hell you want. <laughs> whatever the fuck comes to mind. But I'm just kidding. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, the, I hate, I really hate that that kind of scene for a lot of reasons. And the one that I, the biggest one is I resent it. Uh huh. And I've thought about it a little bit since I watched that scene and, and kind of wanted to throw something at my expensive monitor screen. And I've I've thought to myself, what is it that annoys you so much? And what I came down to, I think, was you're disrespecting me as a viewer, I think, with that kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Because you've spent a lot of time building up to the idea that you would finally tell her. But only kind of in the background. Like you've both, you've mostly spent a lot of time saying that. Um, well, I can't tell her because I can't tell her because I can't tell her because. And the main story you're building up to, like your your little, um, it'd be like a an anti melody. Your your little background thing you've been pushing is maybe I should tell her the whole season. Well, I'm not going to. But there's always been an undertone of maybe I should. You know, mm-hmm. counter counter melody, not anti. Anyway, so you get to a point in the series where it's obviously. You're going to tell her. And then your big twist is, well, I'll just tell her tomorrow. And then something dramatic happens and you just can't tell her tomorrow because their decision's already been made. Mm-hmm. It's weak sauce. It is. It would be a much thicker, stronger, richer sauce if you just actually told her and gave us some kind of resolution to that story you've been pushing the whole season. Yeah. Or two seasons at this point. Half the time you've been on the show. Mm-hmm. So I've got this question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think Linda's a bad guy next season? You know, I would love to have said, no, I think they're going to do something more interesting, but no, they're not. They're going to do that. And it's going to be that she's not going to tell her, I I know you're Supergirl until late, because that's how they do it. Uh-huh. The only and... thing I have that could, the only gum in the works is the monitor. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know why he shows up at Lex's body. I don't know who the Martian is that's mad at John. I don't know what's going on with that, but I know they've got about nine episodes to tell me, because that's when we're going to do a crossover. Right. And, uh... I've heard that the that the crossover is going to be split, that they're going to do like half the crossover and then come and then do a break and then come back with the rest of the crossover. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I've heard that. Hmm. Depends on when they air it, and I would say it matters, but it doesn't. Um, I mean, they switch up air dates just for the mm-hmm. crossover, so it's not like you could say, "Oh, Arrow and Supergirl will run this," and well, it's going to be Supergirl and Batwoman by then, and uh, there's no fucking way to tell. Yeah, they very well might do it that way. For all we know, the crossover could be a thing where it's like, we're going to air you part one of the crossover and then some stuff's going to happen and then we'll see you in May. I don't know. 
Yeah. All he no. knows is it's happening, and the monitor is apparently fucking everywhere. <laughs> as as it happens, I, I think uh, I think Lena is a bad guy now. I think she's a villain. Oh, you had the uh, little shot where she crushes the picture of him. Yeah, she's the villain now. She's the villain, and I think she's going to use that hair and L to give herself powers and fight Supergirl at some point. That's my call. Bad, not a bad guess. Um, also, Leviathan, did that mean any, anything to you? Um, Leviathan is from uh, Batman Inc. That is uh, Talia's group. It's it's a thing that's in the books right now also. Is it? Yeah. The, the current Superman series is uh, geared around, like I think the episode before this or the uh, issue before this was named Leviathan Rises. It's mm, okay. all of the agencies fall. I mean, um, the DEO, um, mm-hmm. are the ones I can't name right now. All of the major agencies, even that one, by, uh, like Shade, everybody, all the mm-hmm. little secret agencies, the suicide squad, everybody. Um, in, in the current run, somebody who's, calling themselves Leviathan and apparently knows everybody's secrets is just taking everybody out. Oh, okay. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's been a fun run that who this, you know, a lot of speculation about who Leviathan is and all that. And I'm one week behind, so it might've been revealed already. Okay. I'm, I think I picked up that issue last Wednesday and I was out of town last weekend, so I haven't been able to read it. Mm-hmm. And I don't take comics with me on vacation because that's how you damage them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, it may have something to do with that. The fact that they're using it and, like we mentioned earlier, they use the current comics in the Supergirl pretty often. It's kind of refreshing. Like that Solar Flare when she used it, um, Super Flare, whatever they were calling it, mm-hmm. was uh, it only been around about a year or so in the you know in the in the comics before they decided to throw it on screen. Yeah, I mean, why not jump on board with something like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not that caught up. I'm aware of uh, I'm aware of Batman Leviathan. <laughs> See, I I never made it that far into Batman Inc. So I've I'm aware of the current Superman Leviathan situation, and because it's Superman, I'm thinking it would. Oh yes, probably what you're thinking. Yeah, probably that thing. Absolutely. And it would give the DEO a big bad for the whole season and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what else you got? You got anything else on on this season? No, no. Oh, except uh, I liked Olsen's little run on PTSD. That was that was nice. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I actually got a little teared up about the uh, the repressed memory of him being. Locked in the casket during his oh, father's yeah. funeral. That was that, that was, was a rough. rough scene. That was rough. That was good. Good backstory. Yeah. And even down to him using like the exercise to calm himself down and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. being a person that carries uh, panic attack <laughs> medication in his pocket at all times. Yeah. yeah, I get I get that. Yeah. Didn't care for his sister though. I'm a little bummed because she's gonna be a regular next year. I'm gonna have to find something to do with her more than what she's doing right now for me. Yeah, she. Uh, she I mean, what we call a little bit of agency. Yeah, you can't just be like, "Hi, I'm here to, you know, be the glaringly obvious love interest for Alex this year." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, it didn't. It, uh, it just didn't feel as as good as the the first relationship she's been in. I can't remember her yeah. name either. Maggie. Maggie. Maggie Sawyer. Every time I hear Sawyer, I think Tom. That's a different conversation. Every time I hear Sawyer, I think Lost. Nice. Um, <laughs> like she she was great. It made sense for her to be there for James, and in the moments that she was there for Alex, it made sense for her to be there. But for her to have to to be here going forward, we need to find a reason for her to be in this city and in this story. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be a little bit like, uh, why is she here again? Exactly. Plus, I I don't really care for the actress too much so far. Like I haven't really noticed anything. Nothing stood out for you. She's just kind of wooden for me right now. And I'm not saying like, you know, I feel like a lot of actors have a, a little bit of a problem getting into the CW stuff, like finding their footing with the uh, with the words that these writers have them say. <laughs> I mean, give them a couple seasons. Most of, these, most of these people can just like, you know, act like they're saying something that means something. But maybe, um, <laughs> maybe. I, I think there's also an effect where people um, w- when you walk into a role and they're like, oh, yeah, you're a brilliant doctor. I think some people try to tighten up in a way that maybe comes across as wooden. Mm, maybe oh yeah you're a brilliant doctor and they're like mm, no i was a c student at ucla but okay yeah and i was especially aggravated because that whole alex is going to be a mother right now and then the girl decides not to have the or not to give away the kid or whatever like that i felt like that was pretty much just there to make those two clo- characters closer together maybe i mean i I thought uh, it felt like Tyler did a, a such a good job reacting to it that i was okay but it's one of those 
She did, but it was one of those um, episodes where I knew that was going to be. I knew that was going to be the turn on it, and oh yeah, I just kind of felt bad in advance because. And then when when she actually acts her way through that scene, I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that that, that, lady, that lady's fantastic. Yeah, good job, Kyler. But I'm bummed because this was filler and sad filler at that. <laughs> sad filler can be good. It just needs to get you somewhere. I feel that we should. <laughs> All these people with the Snyder Cut. We should just uh, we should start a, a movement. Ten episodes only. Ten episodes only. No, go with fifteen. Thirteen. Fifteen. <laughs> Thirteen. <laughs> I stand by it arbitrarily. <laughs> I'm dying on the on the hill of thirteen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I, I promise you, because Black Lightning had sixteen, and that was like three too many. <laughs> we gotta take the average. They had enough to to have like three episodes of filler in that shit. You, yeah, you can't yeah, were... you can't give CW writers leeway. <laughs> You've got to force get some filler. it. Out. Yeah, I think you're gonna get some filler. You've got to force it out of them. You just gotta pick them up and squeeze them until they shit and get over with. Hell, anyway. it, work, it even works on the Lucifer writers. Turns out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That'll be a review for later. Mm-hmm. But not tonight. Nope. All right, I'm done. I'm we're done. On the legends. You wanna do legends? Yeah, let's do Legends. All right, so thanks for listening to our Supergirl review, guys and gals, whoever might have been listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to become one of those, the $5 tier gets you uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of extra shows. I'm sorry, I'm having a stroke. Um, you get the warm-up sometimes and the Chasing Squirrels, Jason's Pool List, and Marvel Reviews. There's a lot of fun. Whatever else we come up with, and that's about to start kicking up again. So anyway, uh, until the Legends of Tomorrow review or whatever the next episode is after this, probably a news episode or a Lucifer review, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more.